You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we always chant. Let's go, Brandon. I'm your host, Justin M. Lesneski, the hopeful bromantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. This is, of course, a crazy Sunday when we were recording this. We record on Sundays, release on Mondays, and uh, I'm kind of sick of this week. Kind of sick of this week. I'm ready for today to be over because it's been a long week of Brady returning to Foxborough hype. And the conversation around it has driven me insane. And it's pretty much why I don't pay attention to the mainstream media and also why I'm barely ever on social media anymore. But before we do a little bit of Belichick, your premises, let me bring in my co-host joining me this trip from Dale's lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. Well, I'm, I'm sorry you're having such a stressful week. I mean, not uh, trying and not avoiding the the hype that is uh, Brady and Foxborough, but uh, it's been a wonderful week here. Uh, it's the next season of kickball is starting up, uh, so the, gonna have an exciting day at the uh, at the park uh, today. But um, next weekend, I'm traveling. Uh, as as you are aware, traveling, so I'm looking forward to that. A lot to look forward to in the coming week. Um, man, other stuff going on. It's just been um, it's been one of those weird. We're, we're in the fall. What what's the equivalent of fall weather here in California? So uh, it's getting un, unseasonably warm during the day, but then uh, unseasonably cool at night. Well, I guess more seasonably cool at night. So uh, it's. Uh, it's weird to wake up and it's damp outside, but it hasn't rained. I'm sure that's a very common occurrence in Florida. Well, let's be honest; it always rains in Florida. But uh, well, it's also I, damp every morning. But yeah, yes, yeah. So uh, it's weird to <clears throat> have uh, water in the desert right now and have to deal with uh, footprints from the dogs coming in and out. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh... I wouldn't say the week has been stressful for me. I was going to transition out of that more elegantly, but I forgot what my transition was going to be. I don't want to make it seem like it was stressful, William. It's just annoying to hear people talk about this game, right? Buccaneers at Patriots, but not actually talking about the game. And what I mean by that is, is there's a lot of, well, who was more responsible for the Patriots 20 year dynasty, Brady or Belichick, which is an asinine question. Obviously it's both of them. Right, and at this point, it's not even worth. Yeah, the only answer going is false dichotomy, dichotomy, bro. I mean, that's it. Right, exactly, and it's because of that. It, there's not even worth going into that at this point because it's so obvious to anyone who has any honesty or knowledge of reality. And then the game itself, like most Patriots fans are just conceding the game, and then it's almost like people aren't even going to to support the Patriots. They're just going to support Brady. So it's all just very bizarre to me. Like, I don't understand why no one's talking about, like, the X's and O's of football or, you know, how does this affect Mac Jones? Because that's my biggest concern, William. My biggest concern for this game as a Patriots fan is how Jones's psychology could get destroyed. 
Imagine this is a home game and people cheer more for the opposing quarterback than they do for you. What if that happens for him? Couldn't that potentially destroy him for life? Meh. Meh. I mean, it's a good story, and and it should definitely be explored, but, I mean, you really think people... You think that that people are so much into... Or so much not into the current team that they're just going to completely flip sides? You think that, that the that the Boston fans are that fickle? I have no idea. That's the thing. I mean, that's a great question. And I have no idea the answer to that question because reality is so obfuscated by the media and by social media that I think think it's hard to tell. And I think this is a a prime example. uh, We've seen the media will make their own interpretation of what's of of the fan reactions. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, they'll push their own narrative. And that's what I'm saying is. I think at that point, now the discussion we're having isn't even about football anymore. This is a discussion about how do we deal with reality versus dealing with the narratives people construct about reality. Whereas for me, it's to disconnect and avoid all of these things. Because look at the the narratives that are out there, but then look at Brady posted a video earlier today. And in the video, he's basically saying he's coming home. And at the end of the video, you know, so throughout the video, he shows clips of him in New England. And then at the end, he shows a couple clips of him in Tampa, De- Tampa Bay. But then it uses the Jay-Z, you know, allow me to reintroduce myself. And then it just says TB12. So there's a stark dichotomy in his video between Patriots and TB12. So if I were a Tampa fan, that video wouldn't even come off well to me. Because he's not really considering himself a Buccaneer. He's just kind of using Tampa Bay to do what he wants for the end of his career because he wasn't going to be able to do that in New England. So the actual reality of the situation of all the players is players and coaches is not the same as the narratives. And how do we even engage with that? And that's what I'm talking about with the Mac Jones stuff is I don't think anyone's trying to engage with the actual reality of Mac Jones, I feel bad for the kid because isn't he sort of being swept up into all these narratives of the past 20 years when, I mean, he wasn't even alive at a certain point. That is like intensely crazy to think about. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. So as always, we're talking about those intensely crazy narratives here in the midside. So let's go forward and, and witness some other probably more important farce in life on the midside. As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon or the midside.com slash Locals. The first thing I want to talk to you about today, William, is a PSA, an ad. It's I think it's a political ad. A political ad by a group in Florida, which is kind of the most remarkable thing about all of this, but... That was said to me a bunch of times. This is a, uh, I think it's meant as an attack ad on 
Ron DeSantis by attacking Florida, but it's 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 kind of ridiculous. And a lot of people were saying they saw it in the opposite sense of what was intended by the ad itself. So why don't we just play the ad here and then we can talk about it. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of your cabin crew, we'd like to inform you that we have officially entered Florida airspace. Now that we're making our final descent, please watch this short message from Governor Ron DeSantis on COVID-19. Thereafter, everyone on board will be required to comply with the state's forever purge. We are not doing any vaccine passports in the state of Florida. We trust people to make their own decisions in this state. We are not going to be bludgeoning people with restrictions and mandates and lockdowns or any of that stuff. As Governor DeSantis stated, while you're within state lines, you do not have to wear a mask. You do not have to get a vaccine. It is against the law for private businesses or schools to mandate masks or vaccines. And you have the absolute right to infect whoever you want, whenever and wherever, with COVID-19. Thank you for traveling with us, and please enjoy your forever purge. So, so this is awesome. Uh, I am definitely <laughs> one of those people who see this as a Florida endorsement ad, uh, as, a, as in I can't wait to get to Florida next week. Uh, Here's the thing. Didn't we... Uh, I know we've covered it. Uh, so I've brought it up several times. It is perfectly legal now in California to infect someone with AIDS. It is It is, is a protected action that you can perform now. De- define what you mean by infect someone with AIDS. It used to be against the law that if you knew you had were HIV positive and then you had sex with someone and didn't tell them that you were HIV positive and they then developed HIV that was illegal in in California and then now it is legal to do okay so what you're getting at here is i was going to i was going to get to this in a second but you're you're talking about right you're talking about the end of this this video, or yeah. this isn't even the end, right? So we we cut it at one fifteen. So this video, uh, the, I'm pretty sure the voice is the voice from the purge. I think that's what they're going for. I don't know if they hired the lady who did the voice from the purge. I don't know if there's a way you can do a filter or an effect that make it sound that way. But that's what it's supposed to be. These people are supposed to be on a plane, and this is what they're hearing over the loudspeaker. Now, what's ridiculous about it is, especially without the imagery. But the opposite, the oppositional, the unintentional irony of, oh, this is a purge, but what's being purged is government overreach. Although the only small bit of government overreach is banning private companies from doing what they want with their businesses, right? Saying they can't have a vaccine passport if they want one. So that is government overreach there. But... Beyond that, everything DeSantis is saying, they're like, here, like they're setting you up. DeSantis is going to say evil things. And then what does he say, William? He says, we respect your right to choose and your right to do what you want and you can do what's right. Am I wrong? Yeah, that's what that's what we're talking about. Right. But then it gets to what you're saying at the end. 
you have the absolute right in Florida to infect other people with COVID-19. And this is ultimately the farce that nobody is talking about that needs to be talked about. And it's the idea that you are unintentionally hurting other people, so you are evil. You must be responsible for all unintended consequences of your actions. Are, are people going around, William, and they have a, an aerosol can filled with COVID-19 and they're spraying it in people's faces? Now, that would be immoral and that should be illegal. Yeah. Right. That's, be, that's viral warfare. Coughing, yeah, exactly. If you started coughing in someone's face, that would be assault. Right. That's biological warfare. But they're acting like it's the same thing. Now, the argument they're going to make is, well, COVID-19 is so deadly and so transmittable that it's the equivalent of if you don't know you have it and you could have it, then you're doing the same thing as biological warfare. But that's statistically that's been shown not to be true. Right. I mean, yeah, it is more transmissible now, especially with the Delta Force variant. The Delta Force. Exactly. With that, right, it's been proven to be more transmittable, but it's not more deadly. We've seen what makes it deadly. We see what what kind of people are dying with this. But they're pushing this narrative. They're pushing this narrative that freedom is bad because it allows you to unintentionally infect other people. And William, this started in the beginning where they see they seeded the premise in the beginning that you can be an asymptomatic carrier and spreader. Well, if we accept that, that being an asymptomatic carrier and spreader is wrong and immoral and evil and dangerous, right? It's equivalent to the purge. That's what they're saying in this video, that it's equivalent to the purge. Well, then don't we all have to be locked inside at all times and not allowed to go outside until we're told to go outside? Yeah, yeah. I, I It's to me, this is more about the audience that they're intending to uh I don't know, empower like or enrage or strike fear into. I mean, they I'm confused because when I think about it, are they trying? Is this in a uh, persuasive propaganda piece? In other words, like, is this supposed to persuade people to take some sort of action or do some sort of thing um, from the other side of quote unquote? whatever debate right in other words is this supposed to take some um i'm pretty sure it's a from supporter where and like make them not a supporter anymore yes i think they're i'm pretty sure this is supposed to be based on tracing going down the rabbit hole on twitter i'm pretty sure this is a desantis attack ad so yeah. this is an anti-desantis <clears throat> lobbyist group so it's supposed to make you hate ron desantis but that's what you're saying about the audience that's so interesting Right. We, yeah. I talked about on the show previously, it, people in different areas seem to be responding to this virus differently at this point in this quote unquote pandemic differently. And in Florida, you know, it's because the reality of it is you go outside. There's no there's no pandemic. If you go outside in Florida, you go, you see life is normal. Right. Yeah. Now, you, you don't see people dying in the streets. You don't hear about hospitals being overwhelmed like the system. The system is handling what's going on. Right. Especially if you listen to Dr. Drew and you hear him talk about the way hospitals are always running on a razor's edge and things like that. Right. We see there are deeper systemic issues here. So you go outside. And it's fine. But this is so interesting because that shows there are people in Florida who are willfully ignoring the reality in front of them. 
And that that's what's that's what's so funny about this. This is like somebody walking outside and being like, oh, my God, this is terrifying. Life is terrifying here in Florida. Now, maybe they're from South Florida where things are a little different. But even then, I bet if you go there, it's not anywhere near as bad as it's being made out to be. And that's yeah. when to me what's scary and funny at the same time is there are people that this would play with or that somebody even thought, who is the person who was like, let's make let's get let's call this the purge because that's not exaggerating. Yeah, well, and it's in it. Yeah, I know. I mean, maybe you can see like an intent there, like drawing it to the purge of like, oh, this is just, uh, you know, some sort of immoral thing right wanting to be free is just some sort of immoral thing right and that we're just allowing it in this one area like is florida really the only place that is uh, free like this i mean certainly they're leading the vanguard and pushing back against restrictions but uh it well that's why i think it's you have to look at it from the perspective of this is an internal to florida yeah, attack ad yeah but is yeah, this I, really I, gonna I mean, motivate that's a good thing it, yeah, is this really going to motivate? I mean, you you're there, like you 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 talk to people. Like, is this really going to motivate anyone? Is anyone really calling for more restrictions? Nobody's calling for more. I mean, I don't want to say nobody. There is a small subset of, of of people. I mean, I know people are. There are some teachers and some administrators and some parents who are upset. There's no mask mandate at the school, so there are people like that. But I would say they're not the majority, based on my experience. I mean, we went through on this show the whole few weeks of my school district possibly enacting a mask mandate and we saw what happened with that and we tracked that so i would say you know there are there are people who want that but there's always going to be people who are going to push back against it because they feel afraid or you know they and i and i would say you know they want more government but i i will be generous and say the people who want the mask mandate are just afraid i don't think they're they're power mongers here in florida that's my that's my sense of that um but yeah, that's 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 the crazy part about this. That is yeah. that is the crazy part about this is that there are people like that in Florida still. And um, who, as far as who it resonates with, what's crazy is I haven't heard about this video from anyone internal to Florida. Everybody who sent me this video does not live in Florida. Yeah, that's why uh, that that um, now we've wandered into my my point. I think. I think if this was supposed to resonate with Florida, it's a complete failure. However, oh, 100%. If it was supposed to raise money outside of Florida for this group, I think it will. Because there are, you know, millions of Americans locked down here in California, you know, still dealing with well, mask right. mandates. Still, right. you know, and and thinking, "Oh god, what is Florida doing?" right? Right. How dare they live a the, free life while we're all, uh, you know, while we're all uh, dealing with the the death in the streets. And that's uh, uh, actually just homeless people. It's OK. Uh, <laughs> and, and wearing masks and, and, and uh, you know, we've got the, that stupid fucking require uh, vaccine passport is coming up, you know, in yep. L.A. County. I mean, yep. for, forget forget that. You know, I, I, I tell the story. You know, I had to travel a lot of. Um, in my in my previous life working for the government traveling all over the world uh you know what they would do they would check our uh you know our vaccine um uh you know travel card make sure we have all our vaccines but you know what else they did they took our blood and they measured our antibodies because they were more concerned with our immunity state than they were which vaccines i had so in other words was am i immune to hepatitis right what what, what are my antibody levels do i need to 
you know, they were more concerned with that than they were with, uh, do I actually, you know, which, which particular, um, vaccines I have, but we're not doing that here. We're not, we're not doing, uh, as uh, Lord Fauci recommends. We're not, we've got to follow the science. And I agree with him. We should be looking at anybody's and not, uh, whether someone has, a has, uh, taken the shot and how many shots they've had, have they had their fourth and fifth booster yet? Um, it's crazy. Well, yeah, and that, that's that's the compliance issue of it, right? That it's not about the science. It's about the compliance. Uh, ooh, I like that. Not about the science. It's about the compliance. But um, Fauci even said something recently where he he said that, you know, it's not about, you know, if you get it and you have mild or, or moderate symptoms and don't get in the hospital. He's like, we want to make it so people don't get COVID-19 at all. And if that's really what he's saying, then he's completely fucking unrealistic. This virus is yeah. here. It's not going anywhere. The idea of ending all sickness. I mean, yeah, look, if we look at like a unrealistic children's utopia, right? Would anyone ever get sick? No, no one would ever say, but that's not realistic. Just like in the sense of you're never going to have world peace. You're never going to end world hunger. There are always going to be bad situations. And I think part of growing up and maturing is realizing that. And part of growing up and maturing and realizing that it goes into the global local discussion you're having, William, and that we always have on this show. The idea that why are people in other states concerned about what's going on in Florida? If you hate what's going on in Florida that much and you think it's dangerous, just ban people from Florida from coming to your state. Guess what, California? No one from Florida wants to go to your state. We have our own Disney. What do you have to offer us? Nothing. And you have the warmer ocean. And we have the warmer ocean, yeah. We don't even have to go to Mexico to have the warmer ocean. We can just go to the Gulf Coast. It's just, it's it's ridiculous that people are so concerned about what's going on in other states, as if it's terrible and evil and everything. I mean, you want to talk about the real forever purge? Isn't the real forever purge getting rid of those people from the state of Florida? Isn't that what really, when you look at what DeSantis is doing, and he's saying we're going to do all these pro-freedom things, and he's going to create, you know, anti-riot bills to protect against the quote-unquote, you know, protests. Isn't yeah. he really making freedom and purging this social justice mentality from his state? Isn't that what the real floor ever purge is? Yeah. I think it's, it's, and it's encouraging the right kind of people to come to Florida. That's the other thing. Right. And, and what I mean by the right kind of people, the people who uh, aren't getting sucked in by this fear loop that everyone is in. Right. Well, it's, it, dude, I get it. It's hard for them not to get stuck in the fear loop. I mean, holy shit. One of the articles I pulled this week, because I started noticing, like, I don't know. I, I think it's probably been going on uh, longer than this past week, but they went really hard at, at the black community this week over vaccines because, as they've been saying for a long time, and this is them saying this, not me, right? They've been saying that black people are resistant to getting the vaccine, that they don't want to get the vaccine. And there was this headline in uh, the Los Angeles Times, but this headline is farcical in itself, right? For hip-hop and black communities, Nicki Minaj's ball gate is no laughing matter. Ball gate. I'm just channeling Daniel right now, rolling his eyes. <laughs> ball gate. So essentially what happened is Nicki Minaj said she didn't wasn't going to attend the Met Gala a couple weeks ago because she didn't want to get vaccinated and they had to show vaccination. And 
she said, I'm not going to do it until I get more research, until there's more research. I do more research. And then, of course, they gaslight her and they say, well, how much more research needs to be done? Follow the science. I thought you'd hit the drop We've there. I thought to follow the science. There we go. That's what I thought you were going to hit. Exactly. And then she did a stupid tweet, right, saying something about like, uh, here it is. My cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision, not bullied. Right. So I don't know if that story is true. Right. I don't know if that story is true. You know, the but, story smells like uh, those old chain emails from the early 90s. Yes. Oh, 100 <laughs> percent. That, that's why it's funny, right? Like, don't get vaccinated or your testicles will become swollen. It's like, OK. <laughs> but I agree with the last part. Make sure you're comfortable with your decision, not bullied. And that's like everything I've seen coming out of this community that they're disagreeing with. I mean, look at, they also quote down here, they quote Buster Rhymes, right? All these weird little policies and government mandates suck a dick. Fuck your mask. Or he said this at a concert in August, right? Like I agree with these sentiments, but then this article, I mean, we saw this in discord, right? In our discord server. Did you see one of the midsiders uh, picked apart the bath in here? And anyone who wants to should join the Discord and check it out. So it says, a New York Times report estimated that breakthrough cases for people who have been vaccinated are relatively small, 1 in 5,000. And the risk of hospitalization from COVID-19 after vaccination is a minuscule 5 in 100,000. Meanwhile, studies have found that unvaccinated people are five times as likely to get COVID-19. To date, according to the CDC, more than 680,000 people have died in the U.S. alone from coronavirus. Now, these are stats we've picked apart for a year and a half now, William, right? Do they even talk about the actual infection rate and the odds of getting it and being hospitalized and everything? They're just throwing these numbers out as if they're supposed to be terrifying. Oh, look, we have numbers. Be afraid. Be afraid of our numbers, black people. Isn't this whole thing by the Los Angeles Times? I don't know. It It's kind of it's kind of super condescending and comes off a little racist to me. What about you, William? Yeah, I think we're, we, we we've it was sort of like not talked about for a while, right? We were talking about, hey, the people who aren't getting the vaccine fit certain demographic profiles. And so we weren't allowed to talk about that for a while. But now, now we're getting like the compliance is more important, right? And so now all of a sudden the guilt, well, like we're going to have the uh, you ain't black if you ain't got the vaccine Joe Biden soon, right? I mean, that's where this is headed. Right. And doesn't that link back to something we said a long time ago? Wasn't there a headline years ago? Uh, well, we saw it with Larry Elder, right? Larry Elder is the black face of white supremacy. But wasn't there something about like straight black males are the white people of black people? That's, wasn't there why, a headline that's like that? why I check my uh, uh, gay white male privilege and uh, identify as a woman for the show because of that story. Um, you know, now that gay marriage is uh, is legal. And uh, we're, we're, the oppression Olympics have changed, and uh, and you're, you're not uh, if you're if you're black and male and gay, you have more you have too much privilege. You're no longer oppressed. It's it's just what is here's the thing, and I'm going to answer this question that I'm going to ask. What is the thing that all of these groups or all of these people have in common 
that are being attacked in this way, right? What is Nicki Minaj? What is Buster Rhymes? What what do they have in common besides skin color? And what do black people have in common with other anti-vaxxers? And it, it it's pretty clear what it is. It's resistance to authority. Now, they all have different cultural ways of resisting authority, right? And they all don't, you know, resist authority for the same reasons, and they all don't use the same techniques. But it is inevitable, and this is what people need to understand, even if they were, you know, rioting to break the systemic racism, right? If they, they're causing all these issues in order to undermine the system, the system will come after you eventually, even if it's using you for now, which is what it was doing at that point, it will come after you. And we're starting to see this now. We're starting to see this now, right? All of these people in this article, Nicki Minaj, Buster Rhymes, they were propped up by the system at some point. But they're never going to allow you to be fully anti the system. And that's what everyone who is being attacked right now has in common. And you see the way they create straw men. They create straw men to make everyone seem crazy. Even within this article, the Los Angeles Times was linking this to anti-vaxxers. It's talking about Royce the Five Nine and saying his son got autism from vaccines. So, you know, everyone who doesn't want to take the COVID-19 vaccine is an anti-vaxxer who believes that all vaccines cause autism, which makes no logical sense, right, scientifically. But they right. want you to think everyone who does that is the same. The yeah, system if, will it, always come for you. And notice it's it's a straw manning, right? Because even, you know, like we said, uh, I'm sus on the my cousin's friend argument. But the but the but the argument they never address is the hey, make your own decision. Right? Yes. They're saying be you know, think for yourself. Like, holy shit, like we should be encouraging that. Even if they're they're wrong, right? Like even if you're using wrong facts uh, uh from your cousin's uh, friend, I'm never going to discourage you from thinking for yourself. Well, and that's the point of when people say don't think about it as skin color or the group you're in, right? Because all they want to do is put you in a group to tell you what's best for your group. So you're not supposed to think for yourself. You're just supposed to think, what do I do that's best for my group? And that actually sort of goes into the next thing that I, I wanted to talk about. That's something that, that came out that I thought was pretty cool, but also pretty mixed. So, you know, Will Smith is sort of back in the news because he's making another push for an Oscar. I say that because if you see the uh, the movie about being Venus and Serena's father that's coming out uh, and you see the that he's going to do a movie. Uh, forget what it's called. It's in this article. Let me see if I can find the name of it. I don't remember what it's called, but he's doing one that's um, it's weird that I can't find it now. But he's doing one about slavery and a you know a love story for African Americans within slavery, right? Well, he's he's taking on these roles because he really wants. Oh, here it is. It's an upcoming Apple TV. Is it really Apple TV Plus, William? I thought it was just Apple TV. <clears throat> Apple TV Plus is the subscription service you need in order to watch uh, the Apple TV Plus exclusive content. So C right, and Foundation and so it is Apple TV. Yeah, there's there's too much plus. It's too much plusing. But anyway, it's called Emancipation. Smith will play a runaway slave named Peter. The movie's premise is based on a real life story and inspired by a famous image of Peter's back, which was scarred from being whipped. The photo, published in the Independent in 1863, is referred to as the scourged back. 
Yeah, that sounds like a great piece of art to talk about the I've never seen this photo, but it sounds like a great piece of art to talk about and demonstrate the the brutality and the lack of humanity in slavery. Right. So I think there could be, you know, this could be a good movie. And, you know, Smith in an interview said this was one about the love and power of black love. And he says it was something that I could rock with. We're going to make a story about how black love makes us invincible. Okay, black. This is the part of. Right. Well, that's the part of the story I don't like. Like, I've I've never liked this idea of, you know, black love or the black girl magic you hear a lot of times. It, why can't it just be like your magic as an individual, as a human being? It's like you have to make something special about your ethnic group or your skin color. And look, I get that this is a response to trauma, right? It's a, it's a trauma response. We've gone through all this stuff. We're told how terrible the world is. So we're trying to take what we're told is a negative about us and make it a positive. So I get that. When really, you're further harming yourself by making that your defining characteristic. But what I will say is, I really appreciate that even though he's doing this, he's doing it in a positive sense. And what I mean by that is, he, he explicitly said in the same interview, I've always avoided making films about slavery. In the early part of my career, I didn't want to show black people in that light. I wanted to be a superhero. So I wanted to depict black excellence alongside my white counterparts. I wanted to play roles that you would give to Tom, Tom Cruise. And I, this is the best part about it. This is where when he says black excellence, William, that doesn't bother me. Because he's just trying to say... I believe people don't see us as equal due to our my skin color, due to our skin color. So I would like to show that the excellence that I have is equivalent to the excellence of everyone else. Uh, I have no really problem with Tom that. Cruise. Uh, I, yeah, I have more problem with the Tom Cruise part now. Well, I mean, you have to keep in the context of when he came out, right? So Tom Cruise was huge in the 80s and Will Smith. But yeah, that's true. when did uh, Fresh Prince start? Early 90s, right? Yeah. So I think you have to take. Uh, that into it, yeah. Nineteen ninety, it started. So he was when remember when Will Smith was a big time as a rapper. That was when Tom Cruise was huge, right? Parents just don't understand is going to be coming out at the same time of Top Gun and Days of Thunder and movies like that. So that's why he's saying that he was contextualizing it at that point in his career. But the overarching point here, William, of he said I wanted to depict black ex- excellence alongside my white counterparts. Do you see why that doesn't bother me? Because he's just saying, hey, I want to show that in the same way they can be great, we can be great as well. And that's what I should strive for in art. That's the purpose of art. And I think this you know, is part of why Will Smith has always been one of my favorite actors. Because to me, it was never about his skin color. It was just like, look how dope and awesome this guy is. And look at the awesome movies he makes. I mean, how amazing was he in Men in Black? Yeah, absolutely amazing. So uh, do you understand the point I'm making here? Yeah. And do, do, what do you think of that distinction I'm making between saying, I think, you know, the party's saying here about wanting to depict equal excellence, or as he's saying here, black excellence, is different than saying, you know, black love is what makes us invincible. Because first of all, love doesn't make you invincible. And second of all, there's not anything special about black love as opposed to any other type of love. Yeah, yeah, I I, I can appreciate the difference. It just it, you know it's going to make me nervous though. Whenever whenever we have when when I see that phrase "black love," there's no it, it becomes a 
almost an anti-concept, right? Like, it's going to blow up. It's going to modify and taint whatever theme happens in this movie, right? Yes, 100%. So that, that that's my only that's my only sort of worry or caveat, I guess. All right, well, we'll see what happens with this movie and, you know, maybe Will Smith will get his Oscar one day. It's just kind of it's kind of shitty that he started his career trying to be like, "Hey, black people can be as awesome as any other person." But now at the end of his career, how is he making a push for an Oscar? while playing roles that are just about the fact that he's black. Yeah. It's kind of an irony there, isn't there? Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, right now you can't... If you're going to get... If if you're going to aim for the Oscar, you have to be a minority, and it has to be minority-themed, or it has to blow up a uh, traditionally white character. Those are the only ways, right? Which is... I'm sorry, that's racist towards the minorities. It is. They can't just take a good role and play it, and it doesn't matter. Their race doesn't matter. And yeah. that, that's sad. Yeah. But I still love Will Smith, and I'll always love Will Smith. So. Yep. All right, final thing I want to talk to you about. I think you shared this with me. Did you, were you the one who shared this with me? Maybe. I, 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 I give you my pure stream of consciousness. So I think I, think I might have been the one that shared this with you. Oh, I don't know if I can handle that. Your pure stream of consciousness. That's, that's, that's a terrifying. Uh, drug. But, yeah, but yeah, I think this, this is definitely up my alley because you know, it's a uh, data privacy and security related. So, I mean, you're seeing it from that angle, but dude, I'm seeing this from a different angle. I didn't, I didn't know that Instagram was developing an app for kids under 13 years old. I mean, we've talked on and on on this show about the dangers of social media and what it's doing to our psychologies and our culture and our society and not even to mention the addictive qualities of it. And then we're going to give it to kids. I mean, my immediate thought when I heard of Instagram kids for you know kids under 13 years old, William was why is it we ban Joe, uh, Joe cool. Remember the camel, the cartoon camel. Why is it yeah. we ban him? Because we're not allowed to advertise cigarettes to children but we're allowed to have Instagram kids. Isn't yeah. that hooking them? Hooking well, them as and, children and to get them addicted larger, to your product? Yeah, this is part of a larger story. There was a huge leak from a Facebook insider of you know Facebook studying the effect that Instagram has on children, and it has an intensely negative effect on teen uh, and, and preteen girls. It has an intensely negative effect on every human being. Sorry, continue. Uh, well, they, they, they found that depending on the usage, it, could, it can be fine. Uh, apparently, males use it to share memes. Um, and the ones who do that, it doesn't have a negative effect on. But uh, if you use it to compare yourself Disagree. constantly to other people, then, uh, then you have an intensely negative effect. But that, that even that's even the problem with these... Uh, qualitative studies. Somebody has to define what a negative effect is first. I mean, I think it's a negative effect sharing all these memes all the time because you're having shallow surface level conversations about reality and you're not engaging in real discussions. So you're stunting your own ability to think critically. I would call that a negative effect. So Hmm. yeah, maybe it's not the same as hurting your self-esteem in that way. 
you know, with comparing yourself to other people, but I would still describe that as a negative effect. If all you're doing is sharing memes with each other, you know, the way, I mean, we talked about the kids video, the video of the 12 year old kid last week. Yeah. Talking about the New York jets. We, we went in depth about that. It's exactly what you're talking about. I think that's a negative effect. It's a negative effect that that made it onto football morning shows. Yep. But back to the, you didn't know that they were targeting children. I mean, that's the whole point. That's why the, there was those laws, the COPA laws and all these other things. But Facebook faces an intense problem. They are boomer. They are the, they're currently in the position MySpace was in. They, they are losing and not gaining new uh, users in America in that uh, sort of 8 to 18 range and in the 18 to like 30 range people aren't engaging it's all just old people and uh, that's a problem because the pattern for that kind of technology is that that means you're going to go away and here's the other thing um, at least in the social space here's the other thing Instagram though is the only foothold they have in that demographic and Instagram is very popular um, and it's growing in that demographic. So uh, that's why you ask, why would they make this happen? I mean, YouTube has YouTube kids, right? And uh, so this is, this is, this is their answer to that. Can you explain to me what makes YouTube kids different from YouTube? You're not allowed to comment. And you can't see comments. You can't comment. If that doesn't speak volumes. Yep. Disables a bunch of the social aspects. It uh, it restricts which content. Like you have to say that your content is kid safe when you upload or not. And then uh, so and then uh, presumably there's different algorithms to keep engagement and then different ads, of course. And different. I mean, privacy, that's, that, right? that just says everything, doesn't it? it yeah. Let me ask you this. Is there a way on normal YouTube to just turn off the functionality of seeing comments? Can you just say, I don't ever want to see comments and turn that off? I don't know. I bet you'd have to use some sort of like uh, uh, browser extension to do that. Ah, well, isn't that the real problem then? Shouldn't YouTube create that functionality so then parents could create a kid's account and just turn off all the comments and make it so they can only see certain types of videos and then they wouldn't need a YouTube kids quote unquote? Yeah, I think it's it's a the point you're making is that YouTube would not give you these choices if it were not for the privacy laws around children, and uh, and so that that's only available to children. But then they restrict the content that you're able to see. Well, right, and that's exactly why I made the comparison to cigarettes. It's yeah. exactly why I made it because we're starting to realize or starting to see, and I don't know if other people are seeing it, that the social media developers, I don't want to say the word developers exactly. I want to say the people in charge, right? Because the developers could just be, you know, trying to develop a platform or code a platform. I I don't want to, you know, paint those people specifically, but the owners and, you know, the people who are driving this, aren't they as sleazy as the, the people trying to sell cigarettes to children? I think so, because it's... it's. I can't imagine you seeing... I mean, 
you you seeing and re- it's different if you don't know, right? But once you know that this is having this kind of effect, like the action you take next is really important. You know, we, the Facebook history, we know that they did some A-B studies and they actually made people more unhappy as as part of that study, right? And yeah. they measured it. And that's just, it. it's so, uh, it's so manipulative, right? Right. Well, and that's what I mean about the sleaziness of it. I don't know who, who did you mean when you said what you do next? Did you mean the, the people in charge of it or do you mean us as the users? I think both both okay that's the correct answer yes i mean and and that's what i'm driving at here right is there look social media can be done in a good way right it can be done in a good way there's value to this which is clearly why people are using it there's value to it as a communication medium there's value uh, to it as a a storage medium right uh, storing content right think of it how easy it is to have your Pictures like Instagram. Think of all the pictures you could put on Instagram, right? And share it with people that way rather than taking up space and everything. Um, there's a content creation side of it, right? That That's valuable. But all of these are being used in a sleazy way where it's pushing as many notifications to you as possible and using algorithms to get you into an addictive loop. And then really, how are they making the money? They're making money twofold, one, by selling your personal data and by shoving ads down your throat constantly. It's the same thing with with video games. And William, I don't mean games like, you know, pay $60 for a game. It used to be that way. But nowadays, how many games are there where it's all microtransactions or there is a new subset of games on the app store that... You play for 30 seconds and then they show you an ad. And that's all it is. Yeah. Why can't we go? Right. And why can't we go back to the old fashioned subscription model? Why can't we go back to that? Why does everything have to be the network TV advertisement model? And even that was you at least got 15 to 20 minutes of content before you got five minutes of ads. Nowadays, it's it's the opposite. You're not getting value. We're allowing ourselves to have our brains be co-opted for minimal return. They're basically, it's ironic, right? Aren't a lot of these games farming games, William? Well, isn't social media by these companies the ultimate farming game? Yeah, they're and now farming, they want to do they're it to farming children. for chumps. They're farming for chumps to buy, right. buy to consume new product. Right. And what I'm saying is they're not getting a lot from every chump. It's just if you get a large amount of chumps, then you get a return on investment on the whole scale. You get what I'm saying? So yeah. if you get two cents from every chump, well, you need a shitload of chumps. And now yeah. they want to do it to children. Now they've always wanted to. I know. I'm being rhetorical. All right, you want to move on? Yeah, I've had enough of kids. Won't someone <laughs> think of the children? You don't hate children, do you? Get vaccinated. <laughs> There's a, do you remember that South Park episode, the, the Harbucks coffee one, where they come into uh, South Park and they're going to drive out Tweaks, the Tweak yeah. Brothers coffee, the independent one? So they make an attack ad with the kids to support tweaks brothers coffee yep. and 
in the ad, they're like, if you support Harbucks, you like, you hate children. You don't hate children, do you? I mean, this was how many years ago? This was 20 years ago South Park did this, and we're still yeah. using this rhetorical technique that's being pulled out with the virus now? Yeah. It's crazy. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about some art upcoming and otherwise in The Hopeful Bromantic with JML. As always, if you'd like to join the conversation and influence the show, you can do so by joining our Discord. The Discord link is on any episode link. All you have to do so do is go to the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast, click on any episode, and then within there, there'll be a link to join our Discord. Look forward to talking to you over the next few weeks. For my movie review this week, I did not go to the movies. I did go to the movies, but I saw Free Guy again. And I will say that that movie got better the second time. So I would I would highly suggest that movie. As always, I think it's the... Or I would say as always, but... As I've said before, it's I think that's the second best movie of the year. So uh, this year it's interesting that I have sort of like a ranking system in my head for movies that I haven't had in the past. But anyway, I watched a movie on HBO Max rather than go to the movies... And I picked it because Christine was like, oh, you have to see this movie. I I saw Promising Young Woman on HBO Max. I watched it over two days. Uh, this was a movie that got a lot of hype. Got a lot of hype, obviously, because of its content. And because of its content, I find this review to be very interesting. And I, I found this movie to be interesting to think about. So this is a story of a woman in her 30s. I think they say she is 30, who's still living at home who dropped out of medical school and works in a coffee shop. And she spends her nights pretending to be drunk in bars and picking up guys or having guys pick her up rather. And then they, they try to take her home and essentially take advantage of her. And when they are about to take advantage of her, she reveals that she's not drunk and she shames them. Essentially. She doesn't harm them or anything. And then that's, that's, that's part of what I'll talk about in a second. The reason she does this is when she was in medical school, her best friend who had been her best friend since she was a kid was drunk like that and was taken advantage of. And even though she tried to pursue legal means and go through the, the school administration, none of it worked. And the guy wasn't punished and the girl ended up committing suicide. So this main character hasn't overcome this trauma and is essentially on a revenge kick against all men. And the story specifically features on and focuses on how she is going to enact revenge against the people involved in what happened at the medical school. Now, this is, this is what I'll say about the movie. Obviously, especially with the ultimate conclusion, and I don't want to give away what happens. I don't agree with the ideological content of this movie. I do not agree with that because you, you don't know, think, think all it, men are evil. Right. Won't you think of the <laughs> exactly. women? Right. Exactly. So I don't agree with that, but there are a couple of things I really liked about this movie and I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the way this was shot. And what I mean by it is 
I think it was intended ironically, but this was not shot naturalistically. This was not shot in a way to be dour or dark or slow, right? This was not a psychological piece about the suffering of the world. This was about the choices this woman was making and why she was making the choices. Now, I don't agree with what they're saying about why she was making the choices. They did tease and flirt with showing how she hasn't gotten over her trauma. And I wish they had leaned more in that direction. And if I were writing it, I would have done that. But they did say this is about her choices and why she's making them. And other characters were questioning her and things that happened caused her to change her choices. And the, the visual approach did reflect that there were a lot of bright colors. This was well lit. And I think that was done to be ironic that the world was beautiful, but her state of mind wasn't. And I liked that about that. I thought that that was a good way of doing it. Uh, as far as writing wise, I worked with an actress named Leah McKendrick, who in 2017 released a movie called MFA, where there was a woman, and I never watched this, but she was in art school and she decided to become a basically a serial killer who at night was a vigilante serial killer that attacked rapist men on campus and killed them. And I actually think that premise, now I don't know how it was executed, I was what I expected going into this movie, and I think that premise is much more interesting. Is it right to kill? Uh, actually killing them, not just shaming them. I don't think there's much catharsis in that, you know, if you're going to take this perspective, having um, having the characters get away, right? This man is supposed to be a sleazy man who picks her up in the bar and tries to take advantage of her. Well, then why does he live if he's that evil, Right. So there are concept issues I had, but at the same time, this movie is intended sort of as a slow burn and a long con where you have to get to the end to figure out how that catharsis exists. Now, did I experience that catharsis at the end? No, because I don't agree with the ideology of it, but I get why the people who liked this movie praised it. Because if you come from this ideology and you come from this perspective, it is well executed. But I, I have to I have to judge a movie based on reality. I can't just judge it off of how people who have a certain mindset would have appreciated it or not. Right? Because then if we use that standard, well, if there's a movie that's really well made and says you should be racist, well, can we then say that's a good movie? I would say no. So here's the deal with this movie. I think it's an important discussion. I wish it had delved more into the trauma. And had, had discussed that. And I, did, I wish it focused equally on what type of guys are evil and the issues with them. Because it does have a, it does have a wide variety of male characters and show you know, some of them are more evil than others. But it does make them all complicit. The only one who's not complicit is Clancy Brown's father character who's an excellent character and you know Clancy, Clancy Brown's an excellent actor so I wish it balanced the discussion of masculinity and men and quote-unquote toxic masculinity with the dangerous effects of trauma and not overcoming and properly dealing with it because then I think we would have had a more cathartic for everyone and cathartic based upon reality approach to 
this type of story and these type of issues in this theme where as is it, it leans too, too far in one side where it comes off as, ah, that's nonsense. And it kind of underplays the good things they did in this movie. Yeah. So I wouldn't say don't see this movie. I wouldn't say this is a terribly made movie. There's skill behind this. And it's not, it's not painful to watch. You just go, I wish they had done that better. And that's sometimes what happens is we give people talent with talent cameras and we have them make art, but they don't seriously study the subject matter of what they're doing or they, you know, play to the prevailing winds. So because of that, I'm obviously not going to give this a great rating. I'm obviously not going to give this a bad rating. So this is a middle of the road bro movie. Hey, you did some good stuff. You got ability. I like what you're doing. I just wish you had done it even better. All right, now that we've talked about a movie that's already been out, that did come out in the year 2021, let's talk about some other movies that are going to come out this year in Taylor, Trailer Takedown. As always, I post the trailers in Discord before the episode comes out, before we record the episode, usually on Saturdays. This gives you an opportunity to watch the trailers before the episode, watch the trailers after the episode, or during. Watch the trailer, listen to us talk about it. Watch the trailer, listen to us talk about it. Trailer takedown. A holiday chant. Trailer. No, you're not going to hit the way to step on it, Justin. You take all the comedy out of it when you. You're just going to wait when you when you when you do this. (laughs) You're just going to wait, and I'm going to start talking about the movie. Okay, I'll start talking about the movie. So, a holiday chance is. I'm just waiting. Way to step on it, Justin. (laughs) Damn it. It's so distracting. It's so distracting because it's in my head. It's like I don't want to get into a rhythm and I don't want to get into a role because I know you're going to completely derail me. Wait a so step like on this, it, Justin. <laughs> it's like this weird meta joke at this point. It's, it's so bizarre. All right. So a holiday chance. Don't do it again. Don't do it. <laughs> so it a holiday chance. <laughs> It's a, it's a, this movie is a small independent movie uh, about a family who they have trouble running their, their company. And it happens during the, um, it happens during the holidays. Here's the thing. I like, look, I like visually the way this movie looks. I like how it's very, I, I would even describe this as shiny William. And I like how it has a benevolence to it. The problem is like this, there's, there's nothing engaging about the uniqueness of this movie. There's nothing unique about it. It's just kind of like, Oh, I like how this is shot. It almost comes across like one of those Hallmark or lifetime movies. We're like, all right, I could see someone enjoying this, but like with the amount of movies and contents that that's out nowadays, there's just nothing that I'm like, Oh yeah, I I care about these sisters and they're trying to reboot their family's company. I even kind of like that story. It's kind of a cool story. It's just, it's, it's just the characters aren't interesting. The execution in that way isn't interesting. I just feel like this could have been done a lot better. Tackle. 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 Second trailer. The Harder They Fall is a Netflix Western starring Idris Elba. He looks like that he is being held captive 
and then they release him and then all sorts of conflict and melee ensues. I will say that I really like this trailer because I've always wondered, I've always wondered, William, why there has never been a Western with modern action movie aesthetics and tropes in it. And it looks like they're doing that in this. There was a, a couple things. I, ha- I hate to say this because it'll piss people off. But there were a couple things that looked like they were influenced by Snyder with the way it was shot. So I appreciate that. And also something else I really appreciate about this is I, I saw at the beginning it said produced by Sean Carter, which is, of course, Jay-Z's non-rap name. So I looked into this guy because this movie is written and directed by a guy. I can't remember his name, but it this is all him. This guy is making this movie, and the reason Sean Carter, Jay-Z, is supporting this is this guy has previously done music video and short film work with Jay-Z, and this is kind of this guy's feature debut. So I think there's a lot to like here. I mean, visually, this looks great. I'm hoping the story can match it. Obviously, Idris Elba is a great actor. Regina King's a great actress. The rest of the, the, the cast is pretty talented, and they seem to be performing well in this movie so i think there's a lot to like here and this is one of those that i wish this would be released in theaters because i would want to see this in theaters but unfortunately it's only on netflix so it has to be a netflix and hug netflix and hug yeah i i i I see i saw a lot of the same things you were talking about on the visual side and then um it i i got kind of some of the uh that old movie that i like uh from i guess the early 2000s plunkett and mclean i get some of that vibe too i feel like they're bringing in more than just like you were saying the modern action tropes but uh maybe it's just in the preview but they're bringing in some modern music and and um it it seems like a refresh of a genre so i uh, the only concern i have is i'm not quite sure what the story is based on the on the uh trailer like you know you hinted at like well someone got released and then but then i was just a little confused after that like it wasn't clear what the conflict was about and that has me a little bit worried maybe it's just i missed it but i just i couldn't get it but hey it's got guns and violence so you know looks like some good action so i will give it a hug hug third trailer encanto is a disney animation movie not pixar disney animation about a house where everyone in the in the house has magic powers because apparently the house is magical and, except for one girl and then for some reason the house starts losing magic and the girl without the powers is the only one who can save it uh, i appreciate what they're doing here right they're trying to say you know it's not the magical powers that make you powerful or something like that or maybe she discovers her magical powers through the movie i don't know how they're going to execute it um I appreciate that this is about the family's issues and it's not about like apocalypseitis, right? The world's not ending in this movie. It's just, we're trying to figure out what's going on with our family's home and it's a big home. It's a big family. Um, the, I would say the animation looks great, but they make the main character, the girl very plain looking and that's very off putting to me. And it's very off-putting to me that with all of the stuff that's beautiful in this movie and the stuff that's well done and interesting to me, they're erring more towards that side. So there still is the fear in me 
of the Disney virtue signaling in this movie. So is this something that I might watch one day? Yeah. So this is, you know, not something I would see in theaters unless there's nothing else out, which is very unlikely. So this is a Disney plus and hug. Hug. Yeah. I would have played the Netflix and hug there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just got discount cocoa vibes the whole time. Yeah, that's true. It seemed like a DreamWorks version of. Remember when that used to happen, right? Like every time yes. Disney would put out an animation, DreamWorks would put out an animation. Yes. How does this? It just felt like that, and I, I, I couldn't get into it. Um, I don't know. I'm so on the fence with this one. I think I'm gonna very, very lightly hug it. Hug. Well, that's why I Disney Plus and hugged it because it might be one that like I turn on one day when it's on Disney Plus, yeah. just because I, I I just want to see something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Final trailer. Lanterns Lane is. We're only even talking about this on the episode because it it was written up as a horror comedy, and I love horror comedy. And it the trailer, not the trailer, the poster looks so ridiculous. The premise looks so ridiculous. I'm like, okay, this has to be subversive and meta. But then I watched it. And this is just a horror movie where these kids go to this lane, like literally a street that's called a lane, where supposedly something bad happened, and then a, a guy in a like a like a a, a bag over his head, like a uh, what kind of bag is that, William? Burlap bag? That's a burlap bag. Yeah, With a, it's uh it's a cross between the League of Legends champion Fiddlesticks and uh and uh, uh Scarecrow from. The Dark Knight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Literally starts starts hunting them. And that's it. Like it it's got the aesthetic of like a nineties slasher movie or an eighties slasher movie. I don't get why this was marketed as a horror comedy. And I watched this trailer and I was like, there's like it's the same thing as the first one. Okay. Now everyone can make movies. And you know, we're always complaining about everything's franchises, everything's IP. Well, this is why everything's franchises and everything's IP. You give any schmuck a camera and he makes something that's been done a million times before and then you throw a trailer and th- throw a trailer up and you wonder why people are getting the budget to make these things. Who thought that this was a good thing to invest in? Tackle. Tackle. Yeah, I'm <clears throat> not my particularly favorite genre horror and there's very little to offer here. Uh, they're in a car and then they're in a in a house and that seems about it. The uh, it's I don't know. I I'm, I have mixed feelings. If you're gonna be if you're gonna have a monster, how much of the monster do you show in the trailer? And they basically show have a pretty good shot of the monster. And like I said, we it, it's 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 a, a man with a burlap sack on his head. Um. And. For it to be a comedy, I'm not sure. They had this whole section at the beginning that I, I think was supposed to be funny, but there's no, there was nothing in there that I saw as actually being comedy. And you know, comedy as a tool versus like comedy being part a main part of this of the movie. I don't think this is. I, I think this is just going to be a like you said a '90s slasher film made in the era of cheap production movie production. I'm going to tackle. Tackle! Horror comedy is like um, Happy Death Day, right? That's horror comedy. 
or freaky, right? With Vince Vaughn with the body swap, right? That's horror comedy. And that's the same director doing that. Well, a Tucker and Dale versus evil. That's horror comedy. And it can be done well, but it has to be comedy as part of the genre. Just not like, ha ha. There's a funny character in this movie who actually is not funny at all. Right. What did we learn this trip? William? Uh, I learned that in order to follow the science, I need to uh, immediately take my mask off and uh, and start infecting people as soon as I land in Florida next week. Justin, what did you learn this week? I learned that it's not about science. It's about compliance. <laughs> oh, man. As always, I want to thank you for listening to the show. If it was not for you, this would just be me talking into a corner in the closet by myself. I mean, it still kind of is that, but now I have the illusion that people are listening to this after I upload it to the internet. So thank you for making me feel less crazy. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so in a number of ways. You can go to the midside.com slash store and buy any of those t-shirts, the midside.com slash the cut and buy my novel, or you can do Patreon or locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. That's the midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash locals. At this point, I'd like to say to you all that we will be taking a couple weeks off. If you've been listening to the show, you know, of course, I'm getting married in less than a week. And then friends and family are in town visiting. So I'm going to be taking some time off from the show in order to celebrate and spend some time with some people, including William. William will be there. So we'll see how long William sticks around. Not on the show. William will be on the show <laughs> for a long time. But we'll see how long he sticks around the floor ever purge. The floor ever purge. And uh, if you if you miss us, hang out in Discord. We'll be there. Uh, I'll certainly be there. And uh, we'll be entertaining everyone. Uh, maybe we'll play some. Maybe I'll stream some games and stuff. Uh, since uh, we won't be recording, not next weekend, because we'll 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 be a little busy next weekend. But uh, the follow the following couple uh, weekends. So yeah, come join us on Discord. Well, the next two weekends I'll be busy. I'm actually seeing Newfound Glory two nights in a row, William. The Pop Punk's not still not dead tour, and then the next night they're playing. Sell their self-titled album all the way through for the 20-year anniversary show. And they were doing that in Orlando. So I was like, wow, I lucked out. I got to go to that. Yeah. This concludes your journey into the midside. I'm Justin Emlesneski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a... Floor ever purge. That drop works really well at the end there. I think we we need to keep it. God damn it.